Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. Well, if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to Psalm 51. Psalm 51. We are in the last several messages of Psalm 51 as we've been walking through this, noticing the emphasis of the way back to God. Remember the context of this, that David has sinned with Bathsheba. And as a result um, <laughs> of Nathan the prophet putting his bony finger in the king's face and saying, Thou art the man, that David has, has gotten right with God. And Psalm 51 is David's prayer of getting right with God. And we've watched as we've walked through this psalm that David has admitted that it was his sin and that he had sinned against God and asked for cleansing. And now he's asking for restoration. And so if you don't mind, as our habit has been, to Look with me in Psalm 51. We're going to read the entire psalm and then go back and put an emphasis on a couple of verses that we are going to be focusing on today. But as for now, look with me in Psalm 51, Psalm 51, and notice with me in verse number one. Psalm 51 and verse one, the Bible says this, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto thy multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my praise shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness and burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon 
thine altar. And if you have been marking things in your Bible, notice a phrase that we find in Psalm 51 and verse 14. Psalm 51 and verse 14, notice the last phrase, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. My tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. And with the Lord's help, we're going to hit this subject today, something to sing about. Something to sing about. We all know that singing is a vital part of the Christian life. If you look and find in the Bible, everywhere where it talks about a new life, the new life that we have, you could see that most of the time it is associated with a new song. There is something that combines the new life that we have with Christ with singing. And if there's a place in our time where a Christian can't sing, that means there's something wrong. Singing is such a vital thing. You understand music is so important to God. Music is mentioned 756 times in the Word of God. That's a lot of times. Almost 800 times it is mentioned. That is more than angels, more than heaven. There is so much said about music. The Bible talks about what good music is. It speaks about what bad music is. It speaks that God sings can you imagine that? God sings to us. There is so much said about music. And that music should be something that is tied into the Christian life. And of course, we understand that there's good music and there's bad music. We understand what he's talking about. But for here, it's saying specifically here, talking about David, that he has a desire. He wants to sing again. Why can't he sing because there was something that was in his life that was wrong. That kept him from singing to God. Singing about God's uh, righteousness. We know because music is so important. And because we're made in God's image. And God likes to sing. That means we're musical creatures as well. That you could actually learn quite a bit about someone. By the songs they sing. We can learn quite a bit about someone. By whether they can sing or not. Singing is so important. Are you singing? Are you singing? Notice again, if you don't mind, in verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. We know that in the past, David was known for his singing. He was, he was known as the sweetest psalmist of all of Israel. That We know that the psalms were the hymn book for the Hebrew people. And David was a great uh, contributor of many of these psalms, these hymns. That they, they would sing quite a bit about David's songs. They had certain songs that when the temple was founded... And during Solomon's time, they would have certain one of these psalms they would sing in the morning as the sun began to rise. They would have certain songs that they would sing in the noonday. They had certain songs that David wrote that they would sing during the evening as the sun began to go down and a new day was started. Remember the Hebrew people, their day started at sundown. And so they would begin to sing with the sundown. They had certain songs that David had wrote that they would sing during the sacrifices. David was known for his singing. But during this time, there was something that stopped him from singing. Something that had stopped the sweetest psalmist of all of Israel 
had stopped him from singing. And now as he's getting right with God, one of the things he had recognized is he had lost his song. He had lost something that wanted him to sing. And now as he's getting right, part of his prayer, again, verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. God, you take care of my blood guiltness. You clean me. You get me right. And my tongue, I'll sing again. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. And so with this as the backdrop, let's study this just a little bit more. And let's see what, as he's talking to God, and see that God is going to give him something to sing about. The very first thing I'd like to show you here is his sin. Is his sin. Notice with me in verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. Blood guiltiness. Now this is something specific. We know that David in the midst of this has had quite a few sins put together. We understand that it started off with just one night in sin. One night that he, he thought would never be repeated. Get one night, no consequences. And of course this is going to rain into a huge thing. We know that that one night in sin turned into a time where Bathsheba sent him a message and said, guess what I'm going to be having? I'm expecting. And then David went to cover up mode and began to lie. Now, none of that is blood guiltiness. We know adultery is an awful thing. And the Bible speaks about that it leaves scars like no other sin. We understand that the lying wasn't the blood guiltiness. What was it? It was the death of Uriah. He killed someone and has their blood on his hands. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. He was, had the sin of murder. And he's saying, God, deliver me from the blood guiltiness. Can you imagine the guilt that he had? I mean, this is someone who's not a psychopath or a sociopath. He's not someone who is hardened from sin. This is someone who's always had a tender heart towards God. And now that his sin is being pointed out, now we understand that he, he's probably had nine months of being miserable. Remember, Bathsheba sent him a message. He had already sinned. He sent him a message. And Nathan the prophet didn't come until after the baby was born. So that's usually about nine months span. Nine months he's been with this. Nine months he hasn't sang. Nine months he's got something that won't leave him alone. And most of us have been to the place where we've sinned and God's kept hitting us and kept hitting us and kept hitting us and wouldn't leave us alone. Isn't that the most miserable time? And what's really funny is it takes a long time for us to get right. It's not until often we're confronted. We have no other choice. But for nine months, he's had this guilt. He killed someone. Now we understand that he sent Joab a message and that he was supposed to kill him in the battle, but he was just as guilty as if he took the arrow himself and killed Uriah. He was guilty of murder. And David knows this. Lord, clean me, cleanse me, deliver me from blood guiltiness. I've sinned. I've messed up. Remember, the good thing about the Christian life is we have 1 John 1, 9 in the Bible. If you confess your sins, guess what he promised? If you confess your sins, 
that he would not only forgive you, but he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, the word confess is what gets people messed up. Some people believe that the word confess carries the idea that you're telling on yourself. You're not telling on yourself. You're agreeing with God with what he already knows. It's kind of like a parent who asks their child, did you do this? The reason why the parent is not is asking the child is not because the parent doesn't know the answer. It's because they're trying to get the child to confess, to agree with them. And so... What happens when you confess to God is you're agreeing with God that I messed up. I am wrong. <laughs> that, that's how confession works. I messed up. Lord, I recognize I sin. I've offended you. Forgive me. And God promised that he would forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Now, why am I putting a big deal on this? Because God forgave David of murder. He could forgive us from the things that we did. I'm assuming that people in here haven't committed murder. If you have, don't tell me about it. But you understand we recognize how awful that sin is. And if God was willing to forgive David, he's willing to forgive you of the things that you got stored up. What's required? You have to confess. Agree with God that what you did was wrong. Agree with God that you are guilty. And the good thing is, is that God will cleanse you from guilt. Now there's a difference between conviction and guilt. Conviction is where God's Holy Spirit is pricking at you for the purpose of you reconciling, for you repenting, for you getting things right. Guilt is something as a consequence of our sin for doing something wrong. It is usually human inspired. But guilt is a real thing. There's a lot of people under guilt. May I give an example? Maybe there's someone that has something in their past. And we all have something in their past. But maybe you have something in your past that's brought up all the time. Now you've already confessed it to God. And you've already um, got right with God. But you still got that guilt. You still feel bad about that thing. It's still weighing on you. Now, God doesn't want it to be weighing on you. But one thing that God can do is he could wash that away. He could cleanse you. Amen. We have to recognize that God's forgiven me. And that I do, can be right. And when you, that's one thing that keeps us from singing is conviction and guilt. It's hard to sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved us a wretch like me when you don't think that you're a wretch, when you still have the things confessing and I don't want anybody to know. It's hard to sing about God's righteousness. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who is, and, and you go through that song and thinking about the holiness of God, it's hard to sing that with enthusiasm when you recognize that you are so far from that. That you have messed up. That you were wrong. God can cleanse us from our guilt. And so we start off here with David's sin. That God can free us. He can cleanse us. And when that guilt is gone. When that conviction is gone. When we're right with God. We now have the freedom. To be able to sing in our hearts. Notice something else here. Not only his sin. But his salvation. Notice this, deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, thou God of my salvation. We know that our salvation is much more than we ever imagined. 
Most of the time when people speak of salvation, they speak of a one-time event. And we understand that there was a time where you realized you were a sinner, and because of your sin that you offended a holy, righteous God, and that you realized that Jesus died for you, and the moment that you accept Christ as your Savior, that there was an event that happened, you were called born again. But we understand that salvation is not just a one-time event, but there is a continued what we call sanctification. In fact, there are three tenses that deal with salvation, three tenses of sanctification. For example, we know that in the past, I was saved from sin. Currently, I am being saved from sin. In the future, I will be saved from sin. The Bible uses those type ideas. Here we understand that I was saved in the past from the penalty of my sin. I no longer owe God the price of hell ever again. That in God's eyes, I am considered righteous. But currently, we're still in the same old nasty body. We could still sin as, as Christians. So in the past, we were saved from the penalty of sin. In the present tense, we are being saved from our sin. What do we mean by this? That we, we're being saved from the power of sin. Meaning that as a Christian, you no longer have to sin. Because the Holy Spirit that lives within me, he's given me the power that I don't have to sin. I could choose not to sin. I'm no longer under the power. I'm, <laughs> I can depend upon God, ask God, and I don't have to sin. But we have to get in the habit of following after the God, dying to self. We understand that it's a process that as you get closer with God, and as you get closer to him, that you'll realize that you don't have to sin, and sin will be falling off. He'll push that things out of your life. But that's still dealing with the idea of salvation. I was saved. I am being saved. And in the future, I will be saved from the presence of sin. That in the future, I'm going to get a brand new body. And you know one of the great things about this brand new body? Is I'll no longer be able to sin. I'll be saved from the presence of sin. Now I don't know about you, but I'm tired of sinning. I'm tired of failing my Lord. I'm a pastor. I'm going to tell you, I still mess up every day. I can't wait till I get a brand new body where I'll no longer have to fail my God ever again. But we understand this is a process. This is something that God is working on. There are three tenses. I was saved from the power of sin, or uh, penalty of sin. I am being saved from the power of sin. In the future, I'll be saved from the presence of sin. Three tenses of salvation. The Bible speaks of these things. It gives those tenses here. It's called sanctification here. But this is an important deal. This is an important idea. And this is David, he's saying, please, thou God of my salvation. I could go up to him. I'm glad that I don't have to be saved over and over and over and over. That salvation, the moment that I accepted, I'm born again. That was a one-time event. But I'm so glad that it wasn't just a one-time event where nothing else happened. Salvation is a one-time event that has everlasting consequences to it. What a wonderful God that we have. That God can continue to work with us. And David is speaking about this, this great exchange that Jesus took upon his body my sins, everything I've ever done in the past, in the future, and in 
present. He's paid for all of my price. Aren't you glad for that? That when you accept Jesus as your Savior, he paid all of your price. You exchanged all of your sins. Now, of course, that doesn't give us a license to sin. In fact, it should do the opposite. It should cause us where we have a desire to sin less and less and less, realizing the great penalty he paid for my sins. It was my sins that put him on the cross. And he didn't pay for my sins as a blanket. He paid for my sins individually. Each and every one of my sins was weighted down upon him. And not my sins only, but the sins of the entire world were placed upon him. What a wondrous thought that is that he paid the price for my sins. So we know that God has saved us from the power of sin in the presence. And that God can help us not to yield by this Holy Spirit, not to yield to sin. So David here is referring to my salvation, thinking about all the blessings that Jesus Christ gave because of what Christ did for him. That he was saved from the penalty of sin. He is being saved from the power of sin. And he is being, will be saved from the presence of sin one day. That all deals with the event of salvation. Which brings us to this last thing, his song. We talked about his sin. That it was a sin that kept him from singing. Then we brought to the idea of his salvation. Think about everything that God has done for you. That he saved you and he's paid the price for you. Doesn't that put something inside of you? Gives you something to sing about? Which brings us to a song. Notice again in verse 14. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. Thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Notice this in verse 14. We're singing of thy righteousness. Who's that thy there? He's talking to God. Of thy righteousness. Lord, you've forgiven me. I realize what you saved me for. I realize the price you paid for me. I'm going to sing of thy righteousness. I'm going to sing of thy praise, of how great they are. David is... Thinking about all the things that God has done for us. You know, when we sing, we're not singing about us. That's why we're kind of concerned over uh, so-called Christian songs that talk a lot about us rather than talking about Him. Because it is God that does everything. He's the one that saved us. He's the one that did the work. I did nothing to deserve my salvation. I did nothing to earn my salvation. It's something he gave to me freely. And even though it was cost me nothing, it cost him everything. And I could sing of my Redeemer. I could sing of his wondrous love towards me. I could think about him dying on the cruel cross. And that he paid the price and set me free. We have so much to sing about. So much to give praises for. And that as we're right with God. As you think about everything that Christ has done for us. It should bring us to the place naturally. According to what the Bible says. To give us the place to sing. A Christian who cannot sing. Means there's something wrong somewhere. Because with the new life, the most common thing associated with the new life is a new song. 
I sing a new song. Since Jesus came, I serve a new master, have a new name, have a new song. You know, there's so much that's associated with it. And that for a Christian who has been forgiven and given a brand new life and the Holy Spirit living in you, there should be something that you should sing about. There should be something that you're excited about. And then when you realize God's holiness, God's righteousness, and what he did on the cross for us, it gives us something to sing about. Oh, I'm singing about our great God. I'm singing about whom he is. I could sing about the magnificent things that he has done for us. And that's why we sing these old-fashioned hymns, because it talks about him. It reminds me of all these things. <coughs> Whether it's something like, I sing the mighty power of God. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines forth at his command and all the stars obey. I sing the goodness of the Lord that filled the earth with food. He formed the creatures with his word and then pronounced them good. Lord, how thy wonders are displayed. Where'er I turn my eye, if I survey the ground I tread, or gaze upon the sky, there's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known, and clouds arise and temptest blow, by order from thy throne, while all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care, and everywhere that man can be, thou God art present there. Oh, we could have so many songs thinking about how great God is. And music, again, is so important to God. There are so many things that the Bible says that music does. According to the book of Hebrews, music is the fruit of our lips. You know, there's so many ways that you could say thank you, right? For example, you got your parents there. There's only a couple ways you could say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. And it starts to feel redundant after a while, even though it may be still appreciated. But with music, it gives us a way to express thankfulness by the fruit of our lips, to sing God's praises and thank him for all the things that he's done for us. Music is a medium we can do that. It's one of the ways that we can share a testimony uh, to others. Let me tell you about what God did for me. There's a favorite song of mine, the Bible, <coughs> in our hymn books, the song at Calvary. This song speaks about, <coughs> uh, <coughs> excuse me, William Newell, who was a troubled teen. And his dad had brought him to R.A. Torrey when he was running Moody Bible Institute. And he said, hey, I want to enroll him here. And I want you to be able to take care of my, my son. And I want you to help him out. And R.A. Torrey said, listen, our job is to train men and women for the ministry. The, we're not here as a reform school. We're not trying to... Uh, convert kids. We're trying to train people who already have a desire to serve the Lord. And this father persisted. And finally, R.A. Torrey said, all right, we'll let him come to the school only if he comes every Friday to my office and we'll have like discipleship. We'll, we'll deal with him and we'll work with him. And uh, <laughs> there was some troubling times again because he was a troubled kid. But next thing you know, he's graduated and he's on staff. 
there at Moody Bible Institute serving and singing a part of their music department. And this was his testimony. Again, music's a way that we could have a testimony unto God, singing to God about uh, telling others about what God did for me. He wrote the song at Calvary as his testimony. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died. On Calvary, by God's word at last my sin I learn. Then I trembled at the law I spurn. Tell my guilty soul imploring turn to Calvary. Now I've given to Jesus everything. Now I gladly own him as my king. Now my raptured soul can only sing of Calvary. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did spin at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Oh, what a great way to have a medium because we could all echo that verse. We could all echo that song that there was a time that I spurred God's law. There was a time I didn't want God to rule over me. But by God's word, at last my sin I learned. And then I turned to him. And now look at all the things that God has done for us. Music gives us a way to give a testimony to others. Of course, probably America's favorite hymn is Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a rich like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The writer of that song, John Newton, had been kidnapped and was forced to work upon a slave ship. Eventually, he worked from being a slave to a slave ship captain. He was known for his, his uh, rough talk and his mean, and he transported slaves across to the Atlantic he was so hated by his own crew that there was a time he fell overboard instead of sending a life bolt or throwing something overboard. They took a spear and they threw it and it went through his leg and pulled him up by the spear and dragged him up on the boat. For the rest of his life he walked with a limp. But he was so hated and so foul. But he had a mother who had originally had prayed for him. And there was one day when John Newton, the slave ship captain, came to know Jesus Christ as his personal savior. He eventually became a preacher and worked in a church, pastored a small church. But this is the song he wrote telling his testimony that amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me. When he said that, he meant it. I am a wretch. I was a slave trader. I slave traded human beings and sold them into slavery. I transported them. I was foul. I was wicked. I was hated. But he saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now am found. Was blind. But now I see. What a powerful testimony. And we can sing that. Because we were in the same state. He saved a wretch like me. Music takes time where we could think about how good God is, how amazing God is, uh, <laughs> what God has done for us. The song, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to thee. 
holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea, cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which wert and art and evermore shall be. We sing these songs, and when we sing them, we should be thinking about God and using them as an expression that we're talking to Him in the songs and thinking about how great He is. So David here, in the midst of his sin, as he's getting right with God, he's saying, God, the one thing I definitely want back is I want my song back. He says, I've had this guilt and I've had this conviction. And one of the things that has done for him is it made him lose his song. But now that he's getting right with God, oh Lord, God of my salvation, my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Any Christian who cannot sing, there is something wrong somewhere. Oftentimes when I counsel with someone and they have that long face, one of the questions I'll throw out out of the blue, can you sing? Can you sing? Because that's a good indicator of where your heart is. Maybe there's some sin that you need to take care of. Can you sing? Maybe someone's looking at the circumstances and not looking at their God. Can you sing? Can you sing? You know, you could sing in the midst of all of your problems. You say, really? You look at Paul and Silas. Who, when they were put in the prison in Philippi, they had just been beaten. They had just been abused. That they have stripes in their back that are still bleeding and open. And the type of prison that they put them in Philippi was a type of prison where they were in a dungeon, not just a prison cells, but they were locked in a place where they were sitting in the muck and the mire. Rats can crawl all over you. And their legs were on a stalk that they had to sit down and their legs were pushed down. So they couldn't get up, they couldn't stand. Could you imagine me putting in a place like this? Their wounds are open in a dark, dank dungeon. Paul looks over to Silas and says, Hey, I think we should sing. It's midnight. He's tired, beaten, abused. I don't know. What do you think we should sing? I heard an old, old story. How a Savior came from glory. Now, it probably sounded pretty pitiful starting it off with, so, kind of like the first song of a church service. But then they start singing. The next thing you know, they're singing loud. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Someone says, I don't think you should sing loud. Well, look back in Acts chapter 16, look at that story. They sang so loud that all the prison heard them at midnight. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Praise God. He loved me ere I knew him and all my love was due him. He plunged me to victory beneath a crimson flood. And you know what happened at midnight as they're singing out loud? 
God sent an earthquake and opened up the jail cells, opened up their stocks, and they're free. They can leave. And the, Philipp, uh, the Philippian jailer thought everyone escaped. And they, he was ready to commit suicide because under Roman law, that if you were a guard and you allowed a prisoner to escape, their life was now, <coughs> the penalty was now on your life. And so he said, I'm just going to commit suicide so I don't have to go to a cross to pay for this. Let all these prisoners escape. And Paul said, nope, we're all here. And you know what the Philippian jailer did in response? He watched, he was part of the people, purple, who beat Paul. He put Paul in the stocks. He put Paul there. And he listened to Paul sing out loud. Saw the earthquake. Paul didn't leave. And you know what he did? He ran to his knees, fell down before Paul, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You know what helped soften his heart? Having a Christian sing. Sing in the midst of a hardship. Sing in the midst of everything. Why could he sing? Because Paul's eyes weren't on the circumstances. They were on the God of the circumstances. You understand, there's never a time where a Christian can't sing. There's never a time. If you have your eyes on the Lord, you could be in the worst thing possible. And you could still sing. Can you sing? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.